Greetings, listeners in Interspace, and welcome to Episode 4 of The Corona Chronicles. I'm Kate Pendry, and this podcast is a meander through the weird weeks of the Corona COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. Week 4 was a symbolic week, as it marked the end of some kind of natural cycle. The 28 days of nature, moon and blood, and the cycles of the natural world. It was, however, apparent that a lot of folk were going a little stir-crazy, or at least unfocused, and connecting to the natural world and nature was not easy when you weren't allowed out of your house. Norwegian students graduating from high school in 2020 were still trying to enact out their traditional teen ritual of gathering in vast numbers in April and pounding out generic, demonic, curiously out-of-date techno in the forest while drinking lethal amounts of spirit as they tried, and often failed, to reach cathartic levels of bacchanal. The fire department won themselves a little award for stating the bleeding obvious when they released a statement saying that a forest fire would mean a lot of personnel would have to gather to put it out and that would increase the risk of infection so could the Norwegian youth please not burn down the forests in their mind-imploding drunken parties while the rest of society was obedient to the plague restrictions. In Norway's neighbouring country, naughty Sweden, the herd immunity strategy continued and the state-run liquor store, the Systembolage, had to increase its staff due to higher-than-usual demand for booze and to make sure that there weren't too many people in the stores at one time. The very opposite of what capitalism usually requires, interestingly. In more grown-up news, China had shared the full genome sequences of the virus very quickly, which was why research had been accelerated early in the pandemic, whatever that meant. The first stirrings of cognitive dissonance were beginning to appear in the towns and cities of Europe. The government and news outlets were giving all these numbers. But what had that to do with the bizarre day-to-day? how to pair the information with the experience. Limbo is a powerful state. It is not affected by information. Limbo, like pregnancy or death, either is or isn't. Speaking of Catholic states of mind, Easter came and went. The days were merging and the idea of a long weekend or Easter holiday was distant and weird. The ironically Protestant concept of delayed gratification, work hard first, get your reward at the end of it, was as vague and fuzzy as the government guidelines. How could you feel that you'd earned a long weekend of R&R when you'd spent most of the week in your sweatpants, eating cheese doodles and doing the occasional Zoom meeting in between binge-watching Netflix and idly watching online yoga and Pilates lessons that were just depressing? Moving from couch to yoga mat three feet away just seemed pointless. The whole society was having to self-motivate. And if history teaches us anything... As a species, human beings have a problem with self-motivation, unless it involves getting high or going to war. Or shopping. 
in Oslo, grocery stores requested permission from the city council to stay open longer than usual over the Easter weekend. The theory being that as the whole of Oslo was at home, i.e. not going to their holiday cabins as is traditional over holiday weekends, remember the cabin wars from previous episodes? As the whole city was at home, in the city, the citizens would clearly be bugging out and itching to buy a lot of stuff to keep ennui, boredom or facing their existential selves in the mirror at bay. The council said basically, bollocks, are you fucking kidding us? Their counter-reasoning ran that, as everyone was working from home, it would be much easier for them to plan their holiday shopping and buy their shit online. End of. Adding ludicrous storms in a teacup to the list of things that human beings are able to self-motivate into existence. After Easter, a bunch of no-named experts began to list up the reasons that everything was going to be fantastic after the crisis. This was met with a collective shoulder shrug and a couple of million face palms, the equivalent of stating how long a piece of string is and how easy it would be to wrap it round a new Tesla that no one could afford to buy because they've been put on indefinite furlough and the industry in which they work has shut down overnight. Again, cognitive dissonance. As if to underscore the citizens' collective shoulder shrug, cops in Oslo reported a worrying spike in gatherings of large numbers of people in parks and on pavements. People just didn't care. Back in Austria, they were still clamping down on any gatherings over two people, and as such were giving clear, if sternly parental, symbolic shows of what the rules were. Fluffy Norway, with its carefree parenting strategy, was continuing to raise little wolves, the fjord of the flies, as some wit coined it, but we'll come back to that in a later episode. Again, Norway enacted the weirdest policing strategy in the world. The cops' only technique for dealing with large gatherings of pissed-up folk during a global pandemic was to take to Twitter and politely ask people not to. On the other hand, Her Majesty the Queen in the UK urged discipline and resolve in a predictable speech. Her entire existence has been a gilded lockdown, and her speeches broadcast from her palace home office just served to underscore, for those not partial to monarchy, that we're not all in this together and we're not going to see the European royals queuing up at the Dole office any time soon. No one had bothered to ask whether European royals are essential workers, and whether their state-funded support should be shifted over to unemployment money. You need to fill out the forms, Your Majesty, online, Your Majesty, just like everybody else. Can you document your income for the last year, Your Majesty? Are you an employee or a freelancer, Your Majesty? Can you prove that your employer has put you on indefinite furlough because of the pandemic? If not, can you prove as a freelancer that you have lost income because of the pandemic? If so, it should be in the form of letters from organisations, festivals, world leaders, etc., who have cancelled gigs and called in force majeure, ergo refused to pay you. Yes, the royals of Europe continued to show their concern for their people, and a lot of their 
people were pathetically, masochistically grateful that the mummies and daddies of Europe were showing the bare minimum of common decency from their palaces while still receiving a full income from the people whose financial futures were desperately uncertain. Commentators in the posh newspapers tried to talk knowingly and beard-strokingly about other pandemics and what we could learn from them, the Spanish flu, the Black Death. Again, the experts ignored the one defining characteristic of humans as an evolving species, we have great difficulty in learning from our catastrophes. And so, to America, keeping itself great and quite, quite mad. Jared Kushner, the president's son and Iago, chastised state governors, with citizens literally gasping for air, for asking the federal government to help find life-saving ventilators. He said, Don't ask us for things you don't know what you have in your own state. Just because you're scared, you ask your medical professionals and they don't know, he reprimanded unintelligibly. Back to self-motivation, the Americans had a particularly American take on stay-at-home fitness routines. While the experts acknowledged that the first thing to think about when considering an online fitness program was know thyself, i.e. if you struggle with self-motivation, you don't like exercising at home and you prefer a social workout environment, online fitness may not be for you. Duh. In addition, in another display of experts showing off their talent for stating the bleeding obvious, it was noted very seriously that while walking or rolling is technically affordable and easy, it requires a walkable neighbourhood that has sidewalks and crosswalks. The New Age community tried gently to plead for the subtle things in life. We can put ourselves in the way of beauty, they tinkled, which sounded nice, but what the hell did that actually mean? Back in Norway, the Monty Python management style of the authorities continued unabated. Norwegians were still obsessed with their holiday cabin situations. During Easter, the local hospital emergency rooms noted that usually they have a tripling of patients during Easter because of, yes, you've guessed it, cabin tourists, who seem to be inclined to fall down a lot during their holidays, apparently. The local authorities were very clear that their health systems could not cope with that number of ailing city folk coming out to the countryside and falling down. So don't do it, please. In the UK, a small conversation began in the world of Premier League football, which would snowball in the coming weeks. In week four of the pandemic, however, the first rumblings consisted of Wayne Rooney saying that players face a no-win situation in wage debates. No one was too worried about Premier League footballers' wages at this stage, as they were so ridiculously inflated compared to the average wages of mere mortals anyway. Still, folk missed their football matches. It was, in spite of everything, the national pastime. 
After Easter, the rumblings of discontent in Norway continued and increased. Home offices were ineffective, homeschooling chaotic, all the hairdressers were closed, and no one could go to their cabins. This encapsulated Norwegian priorities, it seemed, at least for those who had a voice in the public sphere, or who chose to speak on behalf of the lily-white supposed majority. The many people in the country without access to cabins, or the need to regularly visit hair salons, where on average haircuts cost upwards of €100, Euros, were not spoken of or on behalf of. Norway's need to homogenise its identity, to live out the life-lie, as Ibsen would have called it, of some unassailable, unequivocally agreed-upon national identity that everyone fit into, came into full and desperate play, as it always did in times of crisis. The concept of the other, those who don't fit into society, whether racially, culturally, politically and certainly consumeristically, was always more frightening in uncertain times, and these were definitely uncertain times. Norway closed its eyes wide shut and continued mythologizing itself while reality played out very differently for the poor and the marginalised. Some of the sharper commentators spoke of the dark side of the Norwegian dugnad, the untranslatable concept of everyone pulling together for the common good, usually reserved for clearing leaves from the backyard, but often and unthinkingly presumed to be a quality of national spirit that could be effectively utilised during war and pandemic. Prime Minister Erna Solberg played the Dugnard card already on the 12th of March, appealing to this strange fiction of the national psyche. Now, serious commentators were making it clear that relying on the goodwill and the volunteerism of the nation was not going to cut it. Society had shut down. Did the government understand how serious this was? This isn't about planning for the village to have a picnic in the park. No, this was definitely no picnic in the park. Meanwhile, back in Austria, it became mandatory to wear a face mask when shopping in supermarkets and chemists. At a press conference, Chancellor Sebastian Kurz announced that the anti-coronavirus restrictions were to be prolonged until the end of April. He also announced a step-by-step reignition of Austrian economic life. As of April the 14th, small stores could be reopened. As of May the 1st, all stores, shopping malls and hairdressers may be reopened, but with limitations on the numbers of people inside at any time. As of mid-May, restaurants, cafes and hotels will be allowed to reopen. No public events will be allowed until the end of June, neither sporting nor cultural. Kurt stated clearly that the step-by-step reopening of public life would be stopped or even reversed if there was a steep rise in COVID-19 cases. Norway, on the other hand, continued to bicker and whine about where its citizens could go on holiday over Easter if they couldn't go to their cabins and hair salons. In its defence, this whining was a reflection, perhaps of its egalitarianism, that humans really shouldn't force other humans to do things. 
But as with anything, if you take freedom too far, it becomes lethargy and ineffectiveness, some people said. The government did quietly and alarmingly state right before the Easter weekend so that no one would notice that all indications were that nothing would be normalised in the country for a very, very long time. Desperate op-eds in newspapers and even editorials cried out for the government to tell us something and stop with the Pythonesque vagaries. The government declined to attend the argument it was invited to and continued to state that either things would change or things would stay the same. They literally said this, and that was that. They weren't the only governments who couldn't commit to anything approaching a sane statement in these most insane of times. But the people were hinting that they would like the Prime Minister to at least fake it, strong leadership, that is. She refused, resolutely and firmly, to be a strong leader, with which Dali rolled over in his grave. And the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, was admitted to hospital, ten days after testing positive for coronavirus, placed in intensive care and little information was given. This was a shock. And even the late-night comedians held off on commentating on the enormous hubris of a professional buffoon who had proudly shook hands with corona-infected patients two weeks previously because it wasn't that dangerous. On a positive note, however, the porn industry continued to report massive success in its corona porn measures, which meant offering free and reduced-rate memberships to the world's population, at least those with access to the internet, as their humanitarian contribution to the global crisis. Domestic violence and mistreatment in the home continued also to follow its upward spike in line with the spread of the virus, but no connection to the increase of porn availability was implied. As everyone knows, correlation never, ever implies causation. A plus B does not necessarily equal C. You have been listening to the Corona Chronicles. This podcast was produced by Seashell Media with original music by Ivan Stramstad. I am Kate Pendry, wishing you good health. Until next time. <laughs>